And over the last few weeks as we have been praying and, and asking God's wisdom and insight and listening and going, how do we help? How do we be a part of a solution as we walk all this out together? The church has to be a part of that. So in the middle of all that, I've been going back to some basics. I, uh, for me, as, a, as I used to, for many years, coach basketball in different, you know, whether academies or setting aside students we were working with or, or players or, or teams. One of the things I always realized, I did it for myself and many of you, I know some of you golf and different things. One of the things you do is when you get in a slump, you try to go back to your fundamentals. You try to go back, what was, I, what, what was the thing, this is how I learned how to do this. And you may have learned a lot of other things along the way to enhance it and do some different things, whether it's shooting or different things. But one of the things you don't ever want to forget is what is our foundation? Because when we can go back to that, reset ourselves, and then begin to move forward again. Now, I'll be honest with you, over these last few weeks, it has been a little tough along the way, or last many weeks, trying to all the new things happening, you almost look up and go, okay, I need to stop a second here. I just need to stop and not reset as in I'm going back 10, 11 weeks. I don't mean it that way, but just go, where am I? How did I get to where these things are? Where did I, how did I get anxiety like this where it's just kind of overwhelming me? How did I get to where I can't almost take a, a breath? And that's the reason why over these last few weeks, that phrase, I can't breathe, has been such a... Because we know that's something gifted to us. And then we get fear. We can't breathe. It's just, it just, there's just so many things that just kind of come back to us that are just simple things in some ways, but they're foundational to us. They're just foundational. So I want you to do something with me. I don't always do this uh, because I don't like people just repeating along with me just to repeat along with me. Because sometimes I think people may not mean it, and you'll see what I mean here, but you don't have to say it. I'll say that up front, but it's this. It's found in Matthew chapter 6 and found in Luke also, but Matthew chapter 6. And almost everybody in here, I would say, know this. Even if you've not been a Christian or you've not been in church a long time, you've heard it somewhere or you've been on a ball team, there's a chance you've said this before, and it's this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And some would say, and thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Over the last few weeks, I've been, just this has just been coming back to me the very simplicity of that prayer. But the reality is it's not that simple. What I mean by it is it's easy to say we've all, like I said, said probably said it somewhere along the way. We've, 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 we've been on a ball team, like I said, or somewhere along the way, many ball teams I know for a fact pray this either before or after a game. But the reality is I'm not sure they know what they're saying. And I'm not going to preach today and break that passage of Scripture. I've even done a sermon series on this before. And it's, it's a powerful, not my sermon series, but it's powerful when you break it down. But the one line that jumps out at me right now is, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will 
be done. So that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about this morning. Is that, and, and you kind of split that up a little bit. Your kingdom come. What does that mean? What does that look like? What is that referring to? But the bigger one, maybe sometimes, and we'll talk about it towards the end of this, is your will be done. Woo! Your will be done. But the kingdom, Jesus' first sermon, right? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So it shouldn't surprise us that Jesus obviously mentions this in the middle of of, of, of this prayer that he's teaching the disciples how to pray. Very simple, like I said, simple as in repeating it, simple as in memorizing it, but not simple as in living it. The kingdom was really the center of what Jesus did, what he did here on earth, what he talked about, about his prayer life. But the kingdom, again, can refer to a sovereignty, which God is sovereign, but it can also talk about the rule of Christ in a believer's heart. Does he rule my life? Your kingdom come. And many times if you read the, Jesus' teaching all this, sometimes it's the coming judgment. Sometimes it's the future kingdom of when uh, he comes back. And, but so many other times... He is saying the kingdom is here. It's now. It's available. It's available to anyone right now. The Sermon on the Mount is about the kingdom availability now. When Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, he is declaring then unless you realize that you're a bankrupt, really, spiritually, to bring, really bring anything to the table, unless you realize that, unless you think you've got to one, earn it, or you've got something to really bring up front, doesn't mean your story's not great and God can't use your gifts and your experiences and all those kind of things, but up front, you've got to realize that you are totally dependent on him. Foundational. Jesus spoke with Nicodemus. John chapter 3, you can read it later. It's a great story. It's one of my favorite things to preach on. I'll be honest with you. That story of his interaction with Nicodemus, because it's so visual. It's many, there's so many, uh, you know, talking about the wind and the spirit and talking about being birthed and all this kind of, it's such a visual passage of scripture there if you kind of lean into it. But the way that he talks to Nicodemus and what's so awesome about that when he talks to Nicodemus is just this idea that Nicodemus, you think you have this figured out, but you don't. You just don't. But what does he say? But a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, you've heard me say many times, when we're born again, we have eyes to see what we wouldn't see before. What he's saying is the reality of the new kingdom does not happen unless you're born again. It is so radical. It's such a radical thought 
that he was challenged. It wasn't just come along and we're just going to add something to what you've been doing, Nicodemus. It's just not going to be a little add-on somewhere. It literally has to change everything. Uh, Christianity and Jesus is not just to add on to what you were already doing. He's not just a good little piece to put onto your resume of who I am as a person, even though, believe me, having him in there, I don't, no doubt helps. But it is not just an add-on like buying a car and going, yeah, I'll take the new alloy wheels and the 19-inch alloy wheels. It's a good add-on. It is foundational. The new wine, even though Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about structure, just in many ways about fasting, he said, the new wine cannot be put into the old wineskin. It's foundational that it is a change. It's a flipping of everything. It's a reason why, even for us, when we talk about what's even going on in our world, our responsibility in it and the world's responsibility, as I said last week, it can't just be Writing laws, which are, that's the practical part of it. I, I agree we, we may need, what, I don't know all of it. I don't know what all needs to change. I don't know how it needs to be worded. But I'll tell you what, you can write laws all day long if it doesn't change a man's heart. It's both. It's both. I remember the old joke years ago about parents and, and uh uh, you know, about getting onto their kid and the kid got onto him. The kid, she said, this, you know, they told the child to sit down and the child said, well, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. So it's gotta be both, right? <clears throat> so as we look at this, to be born again is foundational. I can't just have Jesus as an add-on, as a good piece to what I'm trying to do. It is foundational. But the consummation of the kingdom of God is the new creation. And the reason why we know this is already taking place, it's not just future. As 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone. The new creation has come. Now think about that. The new creation, in other words, he didn't say, just take the old self and the old ways of operating and add on a new thought. It's new. And I realized this morning, some of the things I'm, I'm just talking about here this morning, go, well, I already know all that. But I think there are times, and I'm just, I'm including me, it's just to go back. To go back and go, I feel all this turmoil, I feel all this, and, and rightfully so, we need to be concentrating, but what are the basics? What is the foundation of how I move forward? Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew 13 and Mark 4, we don't have the scripture up, he said, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Now think of the ramifications of that in your life. The secrets to the kingdom of God have been given to you. Well, I thought they gave them to the pastor and he would, I thought they gave them to the, now I realize who he's talking to. He's talking to the disciples, but that come on, comes all the way down to us. We have the keys to this. 
Because when those who know Christ partner in cooperation, operating with the Holy Spirit, there's some unbelievable things that happen. I love what Dallas Willard says about dominion and about the kingdom. He said, but it is nevertheless true that we are made to have dominion. And some would look at that and go, okay, well, whatever. But, but I, and there's a lot of teaching we could do around that. Within an appropriate, appropriate domain of reality. And here's what he says. This is the core of the likeness or the image of God in us and is the basis of the destiny for which we are formed. We are, all of us, never ceasing spiritual beings with a unique, eternal calling to count for good in God's great universe. Don't you love Ephesians 4, 22 through 24? You were taught with regard to your former way of life, in other words, your old self, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds to put on the new self created to be like God, not to create it to be God, but to create it to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The image of God stamped on you. And when we come to Christ, that begins to be reflected again. When you think of Adam walking the garden, he was supposed to represent God. When the animals and all those saw Adam, they were supposed to almost go, man, I thought that was God. Oh, it's Adam. Almost to that visual going. And so what happens when Christ comes into our life and what we talked about last week, he keeps working on me to make me what I, what I ought to be. As I go that, the more reflection of Christ comes out of me. So the more the image of God is being restored in me, the more people can see what God was supposed to, what it was supposed to be like in the beginning. I got to remember that. I can't just get stuck somewhere and say, I'm, I, I'm, I'm done growing. I'm done moving forward. I'm done learning because that means I have said I've got enough of a reflection of God in me. I don't need any more. And if you believe this, again, how does this change your life? How does this change how you get up every morning? How does this change whether or not you have a real purpose in life? If you realize you have the keys to the kingdom. He goes on to say, says the kingdom is simply the range, Willard does, says the, the, our kingdom is simply the range of our effective will. Whatever we genuinely have the say over is our kingdom. Now think about that. If I sent you home today with some homework and go, go make a list of everything you have say over. And how are you using that list? Do you have say over how you use your finances? Do you have say over how you use your spare time or time? How do you, what do you have say over your attitude? What do you have say over how you respond in a tweet or what you retweet? How do you have a say? What do you have say so over? Because we have free will, which is a beautiful thing in the sense that it's a precious thing that we should not abuse Because it can bring beautiful things out of it. Or it can bring some pretty ugly things. We 
Willard goes on to say, the kingdom of God is God reigning. It is present wherever what God wants done is done. It's the range of God's effective will. God's reign is all around you and is from everlasting to everlasting. It is the natural home of the soul. It's what you were designed for. Problem is, including this pastor, is so many times I talk about the kingdom of me. I would never say it out loud. I wouldn't want to think about it out loud. It's where what I want done is done. It's what I can do or control directly or indirectly. I mean, like I said earlier, my purse, my car. What is great is that we have an opportunity to bring our kingdom into his kingdom. The kingdom is about things that matter. I heard Ern McManus years ago said, I've decided to quit talking about, I'm only going to talk about things that matter. I'm only going to read about things that matter. I've got to filter all the rest of it out. I heard Brother Paul, many of you know who Brother Paul is. If you don't, I apologize for interjecting his name not so often. But I heard him when he was preaching a few weeks ago. He said, you know, I normally don't listen to the national news. He said, I read the newspaper and listen to the local news so I can just make sure I stay caught up. He said, but I don't have time for all that other noise. I've got too many things to do. Now, I'm not saying he's 100% right on not listening. I, I, what I'm saying is his statement is I got things to do and they're kingdom things. And I don't have time to get mixed into all this other stuff over here and just weigh me down, bring more anxiety. I need to hear what I need to hear and I need to act the way I need to act. I need to respond to the Holy Spirit the way I need to respond to the Holy Spirit. But somewhere along the way, I may have to shut some things off. God's kingdom, and he is working. And one of his favorite ways to do it, and I've said this a hundred times, I think it's a terrible plan, is he works through us. <laughs> he chose to work through us. We're not dependable. <laughs> but he did choose that. Your will be done. It makes absolutely no sense to pray this prayer. Your kingdom, your kind, your will be done unless you're planning to live out what his will is. It just absolutely makes no sense to say this. And Jesus tells them, and in Luke 17, I'm going to read it here in just a minute, but he talks about, some of you asked where the kingdom is, and he says, it's not out there somewhere. It's not some day somewhere. It's not on the calendar somewhere. It's now. It's right now. Don't, don't wait for it. It's now. He told the disciples, you say it's three to four months to the harvest. He said, I say, it, I say the harvest is now. I mean, if you think about how many times that prayer has been prayed in so many different settings without ever asking the question, what is God's will really? 
Does he really care whether we win this football game? Really? But what he does care about is what's going on in every man and woman's heart. What's going on in every beautiful, sacred color of humankind. He cares about that. But it's not just enough, enough to know God's will. You got to apply it. And the word that kept coming to me as I, and I listened to this song, New Wine, that we sang this morning. I know for some of you, you, gotta, gotta, you had to flinch a little bit maybe. But as I, you listen to that song, I began to listen to it two weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago. And that song's been out a long time. I just had never heard it. I don't know why. But as I was driving home from church after listening, I try to listen to my sermon right after the service so I can just get it over with, okay? I hate listening to myself preach, but I at least want to have a restful afternoon the best I can because I don't want to wonder what I said because I don't always know what I said. And so, but I got home and on my Spotify, sometimes it you know, does the random thing, so I'm listening to it blaring. And that song came on. And I set out in the, in, in the vehicle outside at the house just overwhelmed with this whole concept. Because right now, be honestly, just there's so many moving pieces so fast. You're just trying to, and you feel like you're kind of on the edge going, okay, what do I need to, it's kind of like one of those days, but okay, you know, you kind of feel like you're, and almost how you feel at times. You're kind of just trying to figure it out. And all I heard was surrender. I'm plowing new ground. Then I began to look up new wine, and it's in, it's in the Old Testament, and Jesus talked about it, about even talking about new wine cannot go in old wine skins. It's saying things have got to change. You can't just be a good add-on. Something new. But then I began to look at the grapes. The grapes, how, why is it new wine? Because those grapes have just been freshly crushed, freshly pressed. It's not 10 years ago wine. And I know in reverse, I know people, I don't drink wine, I don't drink it all, at all. But they tell me, they, you can go look up they, that the older the better, right? Not in the kingdom. In the kingdom, it's fresh. I don't need 10 year ago anointing, I need today's anointing. I don't need to stand up of what I did 10 years ago, and it may have been good things, but I can't just live off that. I need fresh wind, as Jim symbolized, fresh wind, fresh fire every day. Our culture needs it. They need us not to grow stale. We need to be growing, stepping in, willing to be different than we were, but not changing our foundation. See, that's what I want you to hear me is, I'm not saying go change everything that was foundational to what we believe, but the way we go about it very well may have to be. But Romans 12, 1 and 2, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, I'd say, in view of God's mercy, in view of his grace, First off, let me say this. How could you, I don't care who it is or what they've done, how could you not give grace to someone else when you've been received so much grace? That makes no sense. You know people who, who take up grace and hold it, they become a cesspool. Should be like a mighty rushing river flowing. I don't care who it is. 
don't care what you see on TV. Say, God, give them grace. Pray for them. Doesn't mean they're right on you. you, you, you the facts may bear out. They're not right. But give them grace. Give them grace. But it goes on to say, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. That is your reasonable or proper worship. That is the least you can do. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing. In other words, you're becoming new, always becoming new. What I believed, what I was like 30 years ago when I gave my life to Christ is not enough for today. What it meant to follow me 30 years ago doesn't mean what it means to follow me today. I need to continue to be renewed. Metamorphosis, it's like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Literally, is what that means. To be transformed, not just a good add-on. To be changed. Then you'll be able, I love this part. Then, circle then if you've got it. If you, is there a way to do it? I know most people are electronic now, but however you would do that. But then, I love that word, then, then, not till then. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Anybody in here want to know? Anybody at home today, raise your hand. Do you want to know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is? Well, you got to go back before what? Then. Right? What did he say before that? Offer yourself to your brothers and sisters. Offer yourselves to God. To no longer conform to the pattern of this world. I love what T.D. Jake says. Read it in my devotional this week. I, I was, or this morning actually. And I was just, and of all things, it was on. I looked up and I got, I'm going to do a new devotional through you version, and you guys can look it up and if you wanted to use it. But it had to do, and I think the name of the devotional is Crushing. God turns pressure into power. Let me read this as we begin to close. He says, and this is just a portion of it, and you can go look up the rest if you want to. But he says, looking back, I examined previous periods of my life and remember how fearful I was in the midst of some of them. Now standing upon just over 40 years of ministry, I look at those places and realize they were integral to where God has taken me and where he will continue to take me. I see that each growth interval of my life where, at the time, I was certain I was about to meet my end. We're seed stages. We're seed stages for the next season. We're seed stages for the next season. Because Jesus talks about, right? I'm finish right. Jesus talks about the mustard seed. One, I mean, you know, he talks about that mustard seed. He's talking about that mustard seed, which is the smallest, will grow big, which it does. But he's talking about Jesus and the kingdom from this little place and this little country and this little group of people is going to become this. The kingdom is going to expand. He said, I was certain I was about to meet my end. Were seed stages for next season. I could not have produced the fruit without the frustration. 
God could not ferment my fruit without the frustration. God could not ferment my fruit into his wine for maximum potency without my willingness to relinquish it to his wine press. Through these stages, I arrived at the truth. God wasn't burying me. He was planting me. Some of you need to hear that today. God's not burying you. He's planting you. But go back to the fundamentals. Don't get all this confused. Got to clean out some clutter. The kingdom of God is, is, is the announcement that God is here. You should be able to walk up somewhere, friend, whether you're at the grocery store, whether it's at work, whether it's the people you hang out with, and for some way, somehow, and I'm telling you right now, I know people, very few, I know people like this, where when they show up, you know the kingdom of God has shown up. The anointing is so real and so tangible. Because they never stopped growing. They never stopped saying, God, you're done with me. No, you're still working on me to make me what I ought to be. You're, ask, you're not asking God when you say your will be done to change his will or to bless your will. You're asking him to help you find to do his will in your life. And that's the best place to be. The kingdom of God, where is it? Well, it's from the streets of Minneapolis to Atlanta, to the White House, to Phoenix, to Seattle. Oh, and yes, Chaz. Okay. But he's working. He's from around the world, from Afghanistan to Friendly Chapel, to the streets of Biltmore, to Camelview Elementary, to our veterans at Victory Place. He's at Madison 11th Street, 11th Avenue in the zone. And like I said earlier, he's with every sacred, beautiful color of humankind. He's with every lifestyle because he, when you invite him in, the kingdom of God is there. He's wooing. He's drawing. But the question for each of us today, I'm going to ask Josiah to come on down as we close. The question for all of us is, do I pray my kingdom come, my will be done? Are you tired of running your own life? Are you tired of fighting back against something that God is doing? <laughs> and sometimes we have to figure all that out as we go, right? We don't know, we don't understand all of it. But my come, my will be done. Jesus in his first sermon, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Surrender. Just surrender. And what was so awesome about that, the disciples preached this too, but they weren't going around 
preaching when they say repent for the kingdom of God is hand. They weren't preaching condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. What they were preaching was freedom, 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 freedom. This is the way. Surrender to the one and watch what he can do. We should be spending our time, this includes this pastor for sure, of ushering in the kingdom of God. You've been given the keys. As we close with this song again today, a couple of things. One is, we'll come back, I'll come back and close, and then we will, we will end the service. But I am going to ask you guys to stay seated till after, and we'll go, off, go offline and dismiss everyone. But I just want you to listen to this song. If you want to sing it, Stand and sing, would ask you to do that. But as I sat in that van that day, all I could think of was make me a vessel. Take this ground, maybe gotten hardened, till it up. Will we help? We just ask for your help. Your will be done. Lord, across this valley and maybe across this United States of America, Lord, maybe around the world, please don't let us use you as an add-on or a last option. Lord, you are the foundation that everything else grows out of. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in our lives. Help us surrender to that. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.